there is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the Twilight Zone. Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of the Twilight Highlight Zone. I am the host this time around. My name is Ben Hansen and I'm joined by... Jeff Cork. There we go, Jeff Cork. I had to introduce myself like a, just a common criminal. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for that. I appreciate it. Sorry. So here we're going to be reviewing episodes 21 through 25. We've of, watched a lot of episodes, it feels like. I don't think we've watched that many. I keep wanting to make generalizations about the show, but I realize I haven't seen that many in the grand mm. scheme of things. So we're starting out this yes. batch yeah. with episode 21. Mm-hmm. And this is an episode called Mirror Image. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> for the quick rundown, it is a pretty lady named Melissant. Which is probably the most Millicent, we'll say. Is that is that a real name? Yeah. I just kept hearing Maleficent. I didn't no. know how the hell you're supposed to say that name. Millicent. All right. So it's this beautiful lady sitting at a bus depot. Mm-hmm. And she goes up to the counter and says, like, hey, old cranky dude, unnecessarily yep. cranky dude. When's this bus coming? Yeah. And he gives her the treatment of like, what are you talking about, lady? You were just up here. You just asked me that for the last time. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And she keeps having this experience where everybody keep saying that they've seen her before she went to the bathroom the right. bathroom attendant had seen her before yada 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 her luggage keeps appearing and disappearing in different places and and it's accompanied by that classic sound that i can't every, i listen for it every episode the bong, i can't do that very no, well you need like to do it bong, 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 bong. yeah that happens every time something happens like wow my bag is just right here bong, 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 yeah i feel like this I love it. episode could be summed up by just a vine of like the 12 times that that stupid luggage yeah. appears or disappears. Yeah. And speaking of appearances, I don't want to get off off the bus tracks. Please. But celebrities spawning what? this episode. Who? Uh, the, the bus depot guy. Yeah. Uh, Donald Rumsfeld. <laughs> <laughs> I looked it up on IMDb. It actually wasn't him. Yeah. It turns out there's the knowns figure. and unknowns of alternate dimensions. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, then, and, and one more thing real quick. Yeah. I think this episode is really interesting because it does something that the show... Seems to do a lot is a single location. Like they build a set and they just yeah. stay there and kind of all the action takes place there. Anyway, I'm sorry. No, it's like the Chinese restaurant episode of Seinfeld. Exactly. It turns out it works really well for a 20 minute format. Fantastically well. So this whole episode, she's trying to figure out exactly what's going on. She eventually sees herself. In the mirror. Yeah. Through Sitting the on the. Yes. Yeah, it's like she goes to the bathroom. Right. The powder room. And she sees <laughs> Through the mirror, herself sitting on the bench, right? Yeah. And then fortunately, this guy comes over and... Oh, no, she suddenly has this realization she had read somewhere. That's later. Oh, after yeah. she meets the guy, though, right? Yeah, so she meets the guy. This guy clearly wants to help because she's a beautiful lady mm-hmm. and she's losing her mind. Yeah. And keep in mind, this is the lady that Rod Serling was really hyping up in the previous episode being like, remember he oh, came yeah. on screen? He's like, they say they don't know how to write women. What do you get a load of this lady? This and crazy just, broad. Yes, it's just crazy broad. <laughs> it doesn't know where she is or what's happening. She's not the heroine in any instance. She's just confused no. and overwhelmed by this entire situation. Right. She doesn't really solve anything. Her most heroic moment is vaguely remembering something she heard about alternate dimensions a long time ago. Yeah, exactly. Like, and she basically lays it out like uh, alternate dimension, just like ours. And then, but sometimes one of them comes through. And the only way that they can fix it is by take replacing us. And she just read that somewhere. And it's like, really? This whole episode just screams of super lazy storytelling. But then 
She goes to get on the bus. <laughs> yeah, she goes to get on the bus. And, and she's already on the bus. A super grumpy, evil version of her little, is already on the bus. A little of a glint in her eye, yeah. Just glaring out the window. Right. So Mr. Hero, she screams, runs inside, faints. Mr. Hero is like, yeah, whatever. Uh, the bus depot guy tells mm-hmm. Mr. Hero, he's like, what's wrong with you? Are you into those sick people? Yeah. He makes it seem like it's a fetish for this dude right. to go around and help out sick women. Right. And it's, at this point, it's really late at night. And he yeah. says, um, he, he turns the lights off and he says, we're not in... When it's not in use, turn off the juice. That's what I always say. That's right. I wrote down, when not in use, turn off the juice yeah. as well, Kirk, because I like that line because it stood out <laughs> I'm gonna so much. I'm going to start using it. Just a helpful hint in yeah, the middle of this bizarre guideline. episode. Yeah. So, yeah, it turns out there's, through the mirror, theoretically, yeah. judging off the title, mirror I guess, world. an alternate version of her came right. out and was messing around with her luggage, and that's yeah. what was confusing the whole situation. What an, what, what an end game, moving around the luggage. So then the guy tries to help her, and he's like, yeah, I'll have some friends pick you up. You can stay with them. And then it turns out it's the cops, and they haul her away to the Oh, my God, they, they haul her away. It's like the funniest damn thing. They, like, <laughs> screech to a halt. They run out, grab her. One cop looks at the guy who's trying to help her, like, gives a quick nod, and then yeah. they just drive away gone. Yep. There's the hero <laughs> taking Ta-da. off in the back of the police car. Yeah. And then... We see. And then we see the alternate <gasps> version of the man who... The smuggest looking man. This is the... It's the funniest shot. <laughs> I mean, this might even be funnier than the stupid Franklin. Yeah, it's hilarious. Okay, so it's the shot that's, I mean, proto green screen version of his twin from another dimension running down the street with this bizarre look on his face where he kind of looks like he has mental issues. It's... I guess if you were to characterize it, it's kind of like North by North less. Is that kind of jokey? I'm sorry. You can cut that out. I'm going to cut <laughs> Just that, that out. <laughs> it's, it's the goofiest looking thing. Yeah. So he takes off. He tries chasing down his twin from another dimension and yeah. he doesn't do it. And the guy goes off into the night. The so, end. No, so but it doesn't really say what happens beyond that. Use your imagination. There's two of us. Whatever. It's just there's nothing to this episode. Like I actually watched it twice. I watched it again last night. Trying to figure out, like, is there some really complex timeline mm-hmm. that makes this episode really cool? Trying to figure out when the suitcase is being moved, when she yeah. sees herself, when she gets on the bus. Yeah. And none of it adds up to no. anything. No. It's just an absolute zero. Like, it, yeah. There's nothing there. I don't understand why the other versions have to be evil. It'd be much more interesting if they were, like, just the same as them trying to figure out what the going hair on. was parted on the other side or something. It, yeah. But yeah, it didn't make any sense. And, like, yeah, I think again the lack of an end game was just kind of like, oh, what's going on? I think it did a great job of setting up atmosphere, and it did the yeah. thing that I know you really like because you're some film guy, uh-huh. where it does the stars with the you know the opening credits, and then it scrolls up, and then the Twilight Zone opening stars turn into stars. Yeah. In, in the show, that's a nice touch. Yeah. There's also another funny bit in the beginning of the episode when the old cranky bus depot guy is trying to figure out what's wrong with this lady, mm-hmm. and he goes, "What's wrong with you? Are you hungover or something?" I feel like that's a common thing that I hear in classic TV, just yeah. thinking that people that are hungover are basically on LSD, and that's oh, the equivalent yeah. of it. Well, she's so prone to fainting, you never know. It was just, I don't know. Old Millicent. How do you say it? Millicent. 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 Am I weird for not knowing this name? It's just like an old-timey name that you know, has fallen out of favor. Yuck. All right. I, I think I was too generous with this Back episode. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think I was definitely way too generous with it. I gave it, gave it a seven. I gave it a six. I originally had it as a seven, then after watching it again, I bumped it down to a six, just because there is no structure, and it's just the yeah. laziest thing, having her vaguely recall this crap at yeah. the end to explain absolutely everything, and yet does not explain any of the events from that episode. See, I would, get, I would have scored it way lower, but I think the way that it kind of set up that initial mystery i think it's really creepy really unsettling yeah and i i'd, I'd like that yeah um i'm no, with you a, though it, it at the when it, it collapses it's kind of like ah eh, but it's a fun puzzle and then you find that the answer is just alternate dimensions or something forget yeah. about it here's conveyor some. belt treadmill walk <laughs> <laughs> look back at yourself and laugh <laughs> all right uh next episode cork what do we got monsters are due on Maple Street. This is a very famous episode. This is a very famous episode. I can't believe we forgot about this when we were listing our famous episodes. So we open up on this place, uh, Elm Street, and this guy's pushing a cart. You didn't stop me. Come on. That was... I waited all week long for that joke. No, go ahead. What? I said Elm Street. It's called Maple Street. Come on. Man. It's like you're <laughs> not even paying attention it. to what I'm saying. No, we open up with like this guy's pushing a ice cream cart. Yeah. I always notice when ice cream is on the screen because it looks so delicious. That's true. And just kind of showing what an idyllic neighborhood this is on yeah. Maple Street. Everyone is, people are helping their neighbors wash cars. Mm-hmm. People are just standing around chatting. Rod Serling tells us this is Maple Street before the monsters came. Yeah, because we do know from the title that they're due. Yeah, they're coming. <laughs> yeah, so this is kind of that uncomfortable moment before they arrive. Uh-huh. Right, so they're hanging out at Maple Street. Everything is great until... Power outage. Not just well, that. Well, first there's the meteor that goes by. Oh, yeah. And they're trying to figure out exactly. Thing. It's like this weird, like... Yeah. It's just right out of the gate with some sci-fi fun. And I'd seen this episode a long time ago, but I forgot yeah. what it was all about, actually. And I remember as it went on, I was like, oh, yeah. Isn't... So they are the monsters themselves. I've seen this. Well, way to jump ahead. Well, look, we get it. We know where this is going, Cork. Well, apparently not. I didn't even remember the, <laughs> the meteor... So anyway, they all, they, oh, a meteor. I heard that explosion a little too close. You know, I love how immediately they hear that sound and think meteor. Maybe right. it's a more commonplace thing in that part of the country. Anyway, so they have to take a break from washing cars and all this other stuff because they lose water pressure. They can't start their cars. None of their appliances work anymore. So it's a huge bummer. So people immediately like trample into the middle of the street and try to like group think their way through this problem. Right. <laughs> and um, everyone's just, Completely flummoxed. I don't know. Uh, what what could it be? What could it be? Um, so the one guy who was working on um, was he working on someone's car. Yeah. And he had a hammer in his pants, and he's like, right. "I'm out of here." He's, he just wanders off to the find the very that. obnoxious cut to him putting that hammer in his pants. Oh yeah. To the point where it's like, "All right, this is coming." We're gonna back. see this hammer in a big way. Right. Is right. this hammer the monster? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so everyone kind of gathers, and they're like, "Well, let's go over to." The next street and see what's going on. And then, oh, no. And then the little kid pipes up. Hang on. I would like to see aerial photography of this street because apparently going to the next block over just takes hours and hours. Oh, yeah. It's an arduous journey. Yeah. It's like this weird cul-de-sac in the middle of nowhere. We don't associate with (laughs) elm people. See? (laughs) See, now you get my elm jokes. That's good. But they're no. discussing like what could be going on. And of course, it's like what could it be? And then well, that, they say meteors can do crazy things like sunspots. Yeah, like sunspots, exactly yeah. like sunspots. <laughs> and then the dumb little nerd kid pipes up that he read in a story. Don't go, don't go. They're going to send a couple of guys to go see. Don't right. go. I heard that that's how it happens. And they're like, well, what happens? Well, there's aliens, of course. And then what they do is they infiltrate like a neighborhood. They look just like everybody else. 
And then, you know, then they kind of look for the all clear and then they send in the invasion. Right. right. And at first everyone's like, ah, how ridiculous. But then they just immediately just latch onto that. There's no transition there. It's uh, shut up, kid. Oh, wait. Now yeah. we fully believe. Absolutely. So the first victim is uh, his lights. Oh, it's a car, isn't it? Yeah, his car he's, starts. He's trying to start his car. Nothing happens. He gets away from the car and then the car starts right. all by itself. And then they like show another exhaustively long shot of the ex- of the exhaust. Just to establish that it is running, you know, mm-hmm. okay, I get it, car's running. Yeah. And immediately people are from, like, they just march over to him and they're like, you know, why, blah, 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 why are you doing that? You know, how do you get your car starting when no one else can start their car? And he had no good, e- easy answers. And then, well, I have something to say about neighbor. Sometimes I look and he's, he's staring out at the stars. Right. He's like, well, I'm insomniac. I'm yeah. insomniac. Can we break down the neighbors for a bit? There's the one guy who's just Andy Griffith clone. Yep. The good American football playing dude. Yep. Uh, there's the John Favreau lookalike in the Hawaiian shirt. That's actually another celebrity sp- spotting. Oh, please do. Uh, Governor Chris Christie <laughs> in, in an early role. I'm smelling Uncredited. That's good. I looked it up. It didn't, I don't know. And he gets drunk on one beer, and he's a sloppy, ugly drunk too. Yeah, whereas the insomniac guy, as he's being accused of all this crap, is just chugging milk. Oh, yeah. To help demonstrate that that's what he does when he has insomnia. Yeah. Or maybe it's like weird Aunt Veru, Aunt Veru milk. Like maybe it's blue, but it's like in black and white. You can't tell. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? So they go around and they all accuse each other. Lights it's- are flashing on at this point. Right, right. And then they see like coming down the street, this thing shuffling toward them. Guy grabs a gun, shoots the figure, collapses. They mm-hmm. run over. Oh, it's Mr. Hammer. Yeah. The old Hammer brother. Hammer did not help. And then like... uh, That's actually the best scene of the episode for me was when they're all arguing mm -hmm. and then it just cuts to the shadowy footsteps of the guy approaching. Yeah. I didn't even think that it was the Hammer guy until they clearly show the Hammer. Yeah, that's Uh, a tip off. Right, right. But I mean, before that, I was like, oh, is this about to take a turn for the extremely interesting? Mm -hmm. Is this going to be some sort of outside force coming in? Right. To shake things up, and then it really doesn't. They kill him, and then they're like, "Oh, you're just trying to hide the evidence." John Favreau, Hawaiian right. shirt lookalike, and, and then so, just chaos. Like people are throwing like rocks and chasing right. each other, and like, and then it pans back, and we see the two aliens, beep, boop, 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 with some alien device. It's the dumbest looking thing. It is really the dumbest looking thing, and they're like, "There it is, according to plan. All you have to do is turn off their human devices." And they'll turn on each other. Mm-hmm. Happens every time. Then we go from neighborhood to neighborhood to neighborhood. And then they go up this conveyor belt, that it, uh, the ship thing, and the stairs start going up. And I was watching them go up. And if yeah. it continued on that trajectory, it was it would have cut the guy's legs off. It was just a little <laughs> thing I noticed. I nice. don't know. And then Rod Serling kicks in and says, For the record, prejudices can kill and sus- suspicions can destroy. Mm-hmm. Nice little Think lesson. about that in the Twilight Zone. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so this episode, it's famous. I mean, it's interesting. I think it's one of those that hasn't aged very well, especially the scene of kind of the riot towards the end of mm-hmm. them just going nuts. All oh, the shots were super obnoxious, just people frenzied, throwing crap around their neighborhood, torching the buildings and whatnot. It's sort of, I, I love the thing from the 80s so much. Yeah. And this definitely has hints of that, of people just accusing each other mm-hmm. of being this alien. So that yep. is inherently fun. Yeah. But maybe it's just I've seen this premise so many times, it just doesn't really have an impact on me. Or maybe it's just the episode's so famous, it's overhyped, and okay. I don't think it holds up that well. So give me a number. The number I'm going to give you, Jeff Cork, is a seven. 
Really? Yeah. I'm going to keep today's trend going. Eight. You're giving it an eight? Yep. I like that episode a lot. Huh. You think it's just the premise is so fun, the cheesy acting? And yeah. Kinda... It's a, I, I think you have to kind of... I don't know. I have, My expectations are kind of all over the map mm-hmm. when I watched Twilight Zone. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I, I was very happy with this one. I was reading a little bit about it, and I guess in the 2002 version of the show, mm-hmm. they remade this. Yeah. And they got rid of the subtlety in the title and just called it The Monsters Are on Maple Street. Oh. Which is genius. And but, it's racism. Right. Well, no, so it's in 2002, and it, I think there's some sort of bomb that goes off or something mm-hmm. like that. But the twist at the end is that it isn't aliens. It's the government, the American government, testing citizens' responses to terrorism. Oh. Which is a pretty cool twist on that episode. Yeah. So instead of cutting back to the aliens, it just cuts back to government Or another twist would be nice if people are just like, you know what, I don't really know my neighbors all that well. I'm just going to go inside and <laughs> go to bed. So this is the ultimate plan of the aliens, is just literally to go street by street until yeah. they conquer the entire world, hoping nobody talks to each other, nobody realizes yeah. this whole just thing. pressing buttons on this bizarre control panel. Right. It seems pretty lazy. Like, are they like... Like morally opposed, conscientious objectors in the alien war. Like we refuse to directly fight the humans, <laughs> but you know we're not above instigating a yeah. little bit. I don't know. It's funny to me to see which episodes we know really well, which episodes have carried through to today, and mm-hmm. which have been left by the wayside. Because that's one that carried through, and people understand the reference pretty well. I yeah. think. Uh, whereas the other ones, like when the sky was open, nobody ever talks about. No. And the next episode, yes. a World of Difference, uh-huh. nobody ever talks about. And I don't know if I'm tipping my hand, but I effing love that episode. Oh, I cannot wait for you to hear you justify this. You don't like it? This mega turd. Go. Oh. Here you go. Oh, God. All right. So it starts out, and this is one of those where I was, you know, barreling through, kind of doing a little bit of a marathon. Mm-hmm. And I, as a guy in an office talking to his assistant, I really don't care. It's one of those right. things where I, I glanced down at Twitter, seeing what was going on. And then the twist, you just hear somebody yell, cut. Right. And then he just gets freaked out. Right. And turns around and stares and realizes that he is being filmed Mm -hmm. and his whole life is a movie. Right. And so then he steps out and here's what it does so well. He is just flabbergasted. He doesn't know what the hell is going on. Mm -hmm. And it immediately then focuses on his agent Mm-hmm. Who's just hey, keep it together, kid. We gotta, we gotta get through this. You can't do this again. Yeah, trying to like pacify the director, right? And you're not interested in the premise. Just right at that moment, I was hook, line, and sinker. Well, on yeah, board. That, like for that millisecond. I mean, if I was like on one of those weird focus testing, right, right, that dial knob things as I'm reacting to something, it was yeah. high at that moment. Then his awful wife comes in. I think the most interesting thing about his wife, yeah, is. I was looking at her dress, realizing she has to get someone to zip that up every time she wears that. It goes like, that's the most interesting thing, and it is far from interesting. So that's what caused the divorce? No. Okay. There were other issues. It seems that way. No. So the episode goes on, and it really, I think, does a great job of keeping the viewer unbalanced about what the heck is actually going on here, which world is reality. So this guy, his name is... He thinks it's Arthur Curtis. His name in the film is... Oh, his real name is Jimmy Reagan. Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? Yep. Okay. Yeah, so it does an awesome job as it goes on about trying to figure out, okay, is this guy just absolutely insane or he acts so sincere? Mm-hmm. Is his life actually a film and this is the first he's realizing it or is his life just so horrible that his mind broke and he believed that he was this character yeah. that he was portraying? 
And that's the stinger halfway through the episode is, oh my God, he thinks he's his character, which is something I think everybody realized the second that that twist happened, right? The moment that his lip got all sweaty. The only way this episode could have been redeemed for me is if it panned back and he was in an isolation chamber going for another trip to the moon. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the thing. Don't you like movies like Truman Show? Or yeah, even like Eternal that. Sunshine. Like there's hints of like Eternal Sunshine at the end when he tries to go back into the movie set. Oh boy. To, I think that's That's unfair. a stretch. That's unfair. Okay. But it seems like the world's crumbling around him. Like even though he's back in. They're like a, dismantling, like tearing down the sets, for instance. And he goes back to like his fake office and he right. sits at the desk and like the portraits of his wife and child. Yeah. And you forgot the scene where he goes to his wife and child, like the actors. And he sees his like fake daughter. And he gra- just across this girl. And she's like. Yeah, and a really funny detail. If you watch it closely, she like points, and her yeah. mouth isn't moving, oh, and no. there's just the worst voiceover. A little girl going, "Mommy, mommy, mommy, that's the man who tried to grab me. That's him." Yeah, it's yeah, it funny. It's horrible. Actually, this is the first instance of horrible dubbing in this episode. And the second is when he's talking. It's unclear who this guy is. It's not his agent. Might be his manager if there's a difference there, or just like an old business friend who his wife calls in, and he comes to the house to try and like talk some sense no. into this dude. Uh, but there's also an instance where like they he's trying to talk some sense into him and I think he like grabs him and the Arthur Curtis guy says, I don't know what's going on. And they like repeat it uh, in a very awkward way. So the first time I watched it, because I watched mm-hmm. this one twice too. First time I watched it, I thought that it was both the manager friend and the protagonist saying that at the exact same time, which mm-hmm. I thought was a cool detail. That's not nah. what happened at all. It's just really uncomfortable Yuck. dubbing. Uh but I love like there's that scene where he's talking to this manager friend and the manager friend just kind of says like, you know, my life sucks too. Like I would also like to pretend it's all a fantasy mm-hmm. and make up this other existence. Yeah. And then he takes the script and turns out that everything this guy knows about his life is that fun thing where he kind of remembers some details and forgets yeah. other ones. Some things are hazy. Everything he knows about his life is just in the script. Mm-hmm. And then his manager friend takes a script and says, Arthur Curtis is dead. And drops the script into the garbage lap. Yeah. And this guy is horrified. And then there's also that scene, which is before that, where his wife is trying to get him to sign the papers to finalize their divorce. She's awful. Or to write a check to Just her, I think. Terrible. Yeah, she was yeah, she wasn't the yeah. best. So he's, she's trying to get him to sign these things, and she's like, Just sign it. Just sign Jimmy Reagan. And then he just keeps screaming, That's not my name. <laughs> Just losing it. I I was blown away by every performance in this. The only thing that doesn't hold up for this episode is the music. It has very obnoxious music, and there are a couple shots where it's just, you know, him confused, staring off into the distance. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I, I love this episode. It It's one of my favorites. It's probably my second favorite behind When the Sky Was Open, and I'm going to give it a nine. Wow, flip that upside down, and there I am. Really? Six, yeah. What are your thoughts on it? You need to explain this more. I just, I don't know. I thought that this was one of those that, could have been a five-minute short, and it wouldn't have lost any of its impact. I think it just felt like, okay, we got the gimmick out of the way. Now now what do we do with this? Oh, we'll just throw a shrew of a wife at it. You know, that seems to be a pretty easy thing to stretch an episode out. It just didn't feel like that had anything to keep it going. Huh. There's no mystery for you? Did you? Were you fully on his side the entire time or the filmmaker's side the entire time? No, I, I knew that he was the... I mean, I guess ultimately he was... The actor who had found fantasy as yeah, that character. Yeah, his mind just shattered and he yeah. became the character. Yeah. But then it has the cool fantasy twist at the end where he... He just goes back to it? He goes back into it and he then gets on a plane in this 
fantasy existence that's through the set and takes off with his wife. Yeah. That's awesome to me. I love everything about this. And I'm a sucker for, you know, things like the Truman Show and that kind of framed existence mm-hmm. type of story. But I, I love this. Yeah, I just didn't really like it much. I think I liked it a lot because it does such a good job of making me immediately sympathetic to both sides. Mm-hmm. Just like, uh... Because these be- people are like trying to... They're like, oh, God. And another... They're like, they uh, said, oh, we'll shoot around him. Yeah. We'll shoot around him. I can't, I can't buy any more time. You know what I mean? Like, right. We've had these problems before or whatever. So it seems like it's a regular problem for this guy. Yeah. At a certain point, it's like, well, what would happen if he just retired? Right. Right. But so- then compare that with Mirror Image where you don't get the other side of the story of like yeah. the other lady's existence. That could have made that story so much stronger if it mm-hmm. was bouncing back between those two and they're kind of dueling in a way. Yeah. But instead it just sticks to the one side, it's not interesting. Whereas this one, you're sympathetic to everybody and you yeah. like, you're you still rooting for him even though you yeah. realize more and more that he is just this schizophrenic guy towards but the I, end. But I think with Mirror Image, I think part of the fun too is just how ridiculous it is. That's Like true. that stupid looking back smirking stuff is just so stupid and over the yeah. top i can't help but find that endearing right right and i don't know this episode just didn't have that fun factor if you want to use that awful phrase speaking of fun yes how about the next episode what is the next episode cork long live walter jameson yeah starts off a history professor walter jameson very popular finishing up a lecture the students are riveted Oh my God! It's almost as though he lived through the events. They he say, knew those playing details. their hands immediately. Yes. <laughs> so, um, very popular. Anyway, he's going to be having dinner at his soon-to-be father-in-law's house. Yeah, I was really confused about that connection at first. Mm-hmm. Like they knew each other, and the father-in-law was in the classroom in the beginning. Yeah. But then I guess he was marrying his daughter, who would have been like ten at the time they met, or something. And. It's all over the place. It's really confusing. But so eventually you get on track and yeah, he's engaged to this dude's mm-hmm. daughter. This older old guy dude. is, yeah. yeah, the old guy is suspicious and immediately jumps to the conclusion that the... Well, they have dinner. They have a nice okay. dinner. Right. Right. And, oh, then, and the old man also uh, makes a proclamation at that point that his daughter is going to get that PhD if he has to spank her. Yeah. Which was a weird detail. That immediately one extra point for my score. <laughs> no. That was that was super creepy. Yeah. And then actually, I watched this episode with my parents. Oh no. Which I just made that a little creepier. I don't know why. Yeah. I had problems. And uh, so then, the, yeah, the father then tells his daughter, who's at this point we learned thirty, because the the cool history professor is like, "Well, you almost blew it there. You know, she's thirty and hasn't been married off. Whatever." Sends her upstairs <laughs> to read the books, and she obediently goes upstairs. So then it's just the two men after dinner, mm-hmm. hanging out, and they're playing chess. Right, yeah. and they have the chessboard. It's underneath this little weird canopy thing. Yeah, like, they got it, like a un- dust shield. I don't, they don't want like the their chess pieces to get malaria or something. I don't know. He, the old guy reaches for the the history professor's hand. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, your hand. Look at mine. It's all old. And yours isn't. And feel like you haven't aged a day since we met, right?" And then. The guy's like, "Oh, you know, I'm whatever. I'm just gonna play it off. No big deal. I has nothing." Yeah. And then the guy's like, he borrowed a book about the Civil War, didn't he? Right. From the history professor. And then he opens it up. There's a guy who looks just like Walter Jameson. Wearing the same ring. Wearing the same ring. If you yeah. That ring, by the way, is the ugliest ring yeah. ever. It doesn't look like a ring. It looks like a sundial or something. And they just had to make it very visible on super oh, crappy yeah. TVs back in the day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And he just has like zero explanation at that point. He's like, uh, 
You say, yeah, it just kind of looks like me with the same ring and the same mole on the right side of your cheek. And then he's like, okay, fine. The jig is up. Here's the deal. Yeah. Uh, he's, How old are you? Uh, old enough to know this person, <laughs> this guy personally, and points to like a statue of Plato. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh my God, that would make you more than 2,000 years old. He's like, yes, it's true. And then it turns into a Mel Brooks routine. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I invented the wheel. It's pretty spectacular. <laughs> And that, so he didn't have that much to go on. He had a resemblance, a vague resemblance to somebody in a blurry picture from the civil war. Mm -hmm. And the fact that all of his students were riveted during his lectures. And the fact that he didn't seem to have aged because he was like, when you were first applying for tenure or the position, whatever. And then I told you tried to beg off and leave. And it kind of comes out that what this guy does is kind of a love, love him and leave him routine. But by leave him, uh, they, they, he kind of ages out in a way, like everyone dies, so he just kind of moves on. I want a prequel to this episode that explains exactly how he does that. At what point does he make the call, like, I'm getting, or this lady's getting too old for me, and then how does he abandon them? Because yeah. he's just abandoned women for 2,000 years. Yeah. And it is a cool idea. It's a really cool idea. Also, I like the idea of him like slowly having to adjust his language over time. Oh, God, yeah. And like you think about it, uh, this is getting nerdy, but just thinking about like his looks, like how different did ancient Greeks look compared to us? Cause mm-hmm. apparently he fit in with both cultures. Yep. Another celebrity spotting. Speaking of looks. Yeah. A young powers booth. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So What's anyway, that? there's the back and forth, you know, how dare you be so old? How did you, and then the, the, the dad is just kind of like, well, I want to be old too. or live forever too. How did right. you do it? What's the secret? And we learned that, well, when he was younger, he felt that... <laughs> this story the, is just a nothing. The futility of it all. Why do we try to live and learn only a slice of what humans can learn? So then I met up with an alchemist, and he, he made me this potion that let me live forever. And then he woke up from this coma, and everyone was dead. And the alchemist was gone, and he, and he never he, saw him again. And he lives forever. Boogie, boogie. That's and, basically how it works. And then <laughs> he's like, well... How come you haven't gotten grievously wounded or anything like that? I just didn't. I know, never came up. <laughs> it's basically his explanation. I love that. I, I paused at this point yeah. and then really thought about it. Like, yeah. What are the odds that he would have been hurt or would have died? And I tried like yeah. doing like some super dark math, thinking like, how many people have I known in my 25 mm-hmm. years of existence that have died accidentally? And then you extrapolate that yeah. over all that time to try and figure out, is it? against the odds like how well, long can you live before you'd have yeah. an accidental death well especially you concerning like he was in the age of horses like if he'd walk behind a horse what are the odds that he would get kicked in the face <laughs> right you know, at right. some point yeah i love the probably higher. gloss over that like yeah you know some people really just have it made yeah it just didn't happen that wasn't my day <laughs> so then the daughter comes down and she had has some she's been reading the books like he said she like he told her to out of fear of spanking yeah she's like i do not want to be spanked anymore by <laughs> yeah uh, my three sons dead. And then she comes downstairs. He's like, just pack your stuff. We're going to leave tonight. And you think at that point, what a dick move. Really. He says, go pack your prettiest things. Yeah. I don't know exactly what that means, but he's pretty adamant about just it. a bunch of glass figurines. <laughs> and like you sketches. and lipstick. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, so he's going to, he goes to his house. He's like, I'm out of here. So he goes to his house. And earlier in the episode, we saw some old crone yeah. in the woods kind of, well, it was a tree. And glance it longingly at him and kind of hold her hand out and then like retract it in the shadows. Yeah. So I had anyway, no idea where this episode was going to go. I had no idea yeah. what that old lady was all about. 
Right. At this point, you're probably starting to put it together. It turns out that she's his old wife. One of his old wives. Yeah. And she's pissed and she recognized him it's from an the engagement. Beautiful, beautiful eyes. Yeah. And the, the creepy. But the reveal for her was yeah. great because she's hiding in the shadows of his office and he yeah. takes a desk lamp and the yeah. camera kind of follows it up as it tilts up and then it's her. Yep. And she sounds like, I don't know, that lady in Willow, like, oh, Willow. Just oh, a yeah. weird quivering voice as she's yeah. oh, grabbing this guy saying that she used to be the most beautiful and they were in love and he's and, like, oh, you must be mistaken. You're and he's just playing else. it off like, uh. But she knows. She knows. She's smart. And then she goes, you can't keep on hurting people and it, she shoots him. Yeah, because there was a gun on the table. Uh, so the gunshots heard. Yeah. Dad and daughter race across the street, which was nice that they happen to live so closely together. Right, right. And he's... No, it's just the dad at that point. Right. Dad races across the street. That old lady runs away because she's pretty spry for her old age. And he's... Walter Jameson, he's getting old. Yeah. He's dying. It's very end of Last Crusade. Yeah. He drinks from the wrong cup. Yeah, it's a pretty accelerated process. So I was reading a bit about this, Mm -hmm. and I never even thought that this was a technique back in the day, but I find it awesome. So since it's all shot in black and white, Mm -hmm. the way that they made... Like, it's not crazy aging effects, but there are, like, wrinkles and stuff appearing on his face. Yeah, in real time. It's not like it's cutting away and then cutting back, and he's... Can you figure out how they did that? It has to do with, like, color makeup, right? Yeah, yeah. And then they put lenses... Yeah, so they color... Wrinkles... They color wrinkles on his face with red paint, uh-huh. and then they film it using a red light, and then throughout the scene, slowly transition to a green light, mm-hmm. and there's no effect because it's all in black and white, except when it's a green light, then you can suddenly see the wrinkles yeah. that were painted on in red. Yep. That is so brilliant. Yeah. yeah it's so, pretty... I mean, near the end of the transition, it's pretty hokey looking, but it's a very cool effect. You know, for yeah. the time, it's one of those like, oh, you know, he should not have gotten shot. That, right. was, he, that was a good thing that he avoided all those years. <laughs> So then he falls down and there's a really creepy shot of him lying on the ground, like breathing heavily yeah. as he's getting super old. Yeah. He looks like Lon Chaney, Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Right, uh, and then the daughter runs across the street and then she sees that there's he's nothing just a- to see. It's, what are all those clothes? Yeah. The clothes in dust. Yeah. And then a breeze kind of blows the dust. Comes from nowhere and takes the dust away. Yeah. And it is literally dust. And then Rod Serling says, last stop on a long journey. As yet Ooh. another human being returns to the vast nothingness that is the beginning and into the dust that is always the end. Dun, dun, dun. Pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I I like this episode. It's yeah. the ultimate pro-marriage episode. Cork, I hope you felt motivated to not leave your wife after listening or watching this Yes, one. absolutely. I was back on board. <laughs> I, I'm glad that we watched these in like five episode blocks because I go through highs and lows. <laughs> I just don't even know. <laughs> so I gave this one an eight. Yeah, I'm with you. Game okay. it an eight, yeah. I'm glad I, that we could meet in the middle on this one. That's right. I, I like the detail of the father also just being super scared of death and his yeah. story of just desperately trying to get out of it as he's trying to marry his daughter off at the same time. Yeah. I, and I'm with you. I would love to have seen a prequel to this. Uh, next one, people are alike all over. And so this one, I, this is another celebrity cameo. Mm-hmm. I think this is an adult version of Tim from Jurassic Park. I don't know if you recognize that. Oh, my God. You're you are absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. He's also multiplied by a young Dick Van Dyke. All right. Yep. Yeah. The they had a machine that could do the cross-pollination. It was pretty amazing back then. All right. So he's a scientist, and he's joined by his astronaut buddy, mm-hmm. and they are about to go to Mars. And right out of the gate, I like it. 
because this guy is scared Sless. The last thing he wants to do to go to, is this to go is to like Mars. three hours before the flight to Mars. <laughs> yeah. they're just the guy comments about it. he's like, "What are we doing? <laughs> we should be walking the streets looking at girls, and instead we're like they're like on the other side of a chain link fence. They had yeah. their fingers like clawed through the fence, right? Looking at the spaceship they're going to be stuck on for a long time. And I like that NASA approves this super scared dude to go to Mars, whereas just the moon mission, mm-hmm. judging from the first episode took so much psychological testing before yeah. they finally approved somebody. This one's like, oh, this guy's scared. He doesn't want to go. Let's just send him. So this dude uh, gets on the He's spaceship. a biologist. That's hey, why he's going on this mission. He's a biologist because they're pretty certain that there's life on Mars. And he has this discussion with his astronaut buddy. Mm-hmm. And his astronaut buddy gives him the philosophy of, ah, people are like all over. God only yeah. had one mold. And if they got hearts and minds, then they got souls. So we'll be just fine. And then they get in the ship, fly to Mars. Turns out it crashes. His buddy dies it's in the crash. not a great great flight no and they well you can kind of understand why because mars appears to be a disc it's lazily <laughs> spray painted it's like the it's the funniest i don't know it's it's funny yeah it is the special effect is hilarious gigantic details on it that just looks super crude oh yeah it's yeah, yeah. so they crash his buddy dies and then i love okay wait, wait all the times we see in the inside of a spaceship on the twilight zone yeah they just sit in like spinning chairs, like spinning office chairs that are mounted right. on pedestals. It just doesn't seem like they figured out the most efficient way of space flight because they always crash and it uh-huh. seems like the biggest hassle to get out of yeah. these chairs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so his buddy dies and he ends up just sitting in the spaceship not wanting to leave. And his friend, so... his friend doesn't die immediately. Right. His right. friend is just like, oh, you got to help me up. And you hear like what sounds like someone's hitting the outside of the oh. ship with a wrench, like this pinging... That scared me. This episode scared me awesome. in a couple spots. Yeah. Because you don't know what the hell it is. Yeah. So his buddy eventually dies and he doesn't want to leave the ship because he's so scared. And, and then the door starts opening. And they're in Rome. Yeah. So <laughs> it's the most tension. I think this might be even like yeah. the middle sting before the commercial Oof. break. You don't know what's happening. Just the yeah. door's opening. He can control it. Whatever yeah. is on Mars is coming into his ship. Best premise, and then, oh, it's just ancient Rome. Here we go. Got a lot of togas and sandals. Yeah. Um, One hot lady who he immediately tries to get with, even though not understanding anything about Martian anatomy or the social structure of this group. No, and you, they speak English. No, you speak our language, some kind of... Through telepathy, you're actually speaking our language, which I Mm -hmm. guess is kind of a cool thing instead of just glossing over the fact that, yeah, everybody speaks English here. It's like, nope, you're actually speaking our tongue right now. Yeah, and they're like, your ship is in dire straits. We're going to fix it up for you. Yeah. It's going to take a while. You want to tour our city? Yeah. Hang out and have a good time? Sure. And so they bring him to a reconstruction of a 1950s home. Used. They modeled it from his brain while he was sleeping. It's awesome. It is pretty cool. So he goes inside, and it looks a lot like the home from, uh, was it Third Rock from the Sun or whatever that episode was oh, called? Oh, totally, yeah. I think it's the same set. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll so have to watch that again. I, I love that he just gets to this model home that they made for him on Mars, and he just camps out there. Like, they all leave, and he is super comfortable. He's smoking cigars and drinking whiskey. This is the best scotch I ever had. Yeah, oh. yeah, that whole thing. But this dude is a scientist, a biologist on Mars. Mm-hmm. The first human ever on mars and he doesn't want to explore it all he's just fine living in this 1950s model home <laughs> yeah he just doesn't want to leave he's like all right here we go and he gets that story is that he's just so scared yeah. he doesn't want to well too they also said you know we'll come back for you in a little bit okay we have like 
Mars errands to run or whatnot. And the girl like avoids eye contact with him. Something's up. Yeah. And then he tries opening the window or oh, opening the, door. the drapes. Oh, yeah. The door. Doors don't open. There's no window in the kitchen first kind of sets him off. Right. He's like, huh. Door, front door doesn't work. Doors just nothing happens. Yeah. Pulls the drapes. It's just blank behind it. It's kind of cool. It's pretty cool. And then that opens <gasps> up and you see bars and you realize that he's in a zoo. That he is in a yeah. cage on Mars and all the stupid toga aliens yep. are staring at him, including the love of his life, who we met a couple minutes ago. Yeah. Super she sad. Turns and runs. Yeah. And there's like little kid it. Roman kids. And yeah, it's it's brutal. And then he says, you're right. People are alike all over. Wah, wah, wah. So this did my favorite thing. It did the um, not space and not earth kind of thing you know what i mean yeah. like where they, it was kind of both yeah that's true way. and actually this episode ended the way that i thought that funeral planet was mm-hmm. going to end yeah, i thought the, that one was going to yeah. be that they're in some sort of zoo yeah, yeah. model society yep. yeah because he even pulled out a sign and he's like hey what? he looked down and it said like earth specimen in his native native habitat yeah and then he immediately started making like an ape kind of face put his face between the bars and also like one of the bars on the left is like moving more than it clearly should maybe maybe his his gal will like bake a special cake for him with a file who knows (laughs) so i mean it's a fun premise i do love the idea of this super scared scientist Mm -hmm. having to go to mars yeah but in the end it's just kind of hokey and it's a pretty dumb ending so i ended up giving it a six. Oh, brother you and i are not alike <laughs> all over in places here we go are you ready i'm gonna do this i give it a 10 i love this episode are you kidding i am me? not kidding you i love this episode i think it's fantastic it has like i like the the shot where they're like waiting to get onto mars the, the yeah. ship i think that's really cool i think that whole sequence where the pinging on the ship is awesome. I agree. That is yeah. awesome. And then the door opens and you see what's out there. It's completely stupid and ridiculous. I love that. Um, I love the twist. I like the fact that you have a phrase that works both ways. Uh-huh. Unlike some, we'll get to those other kind of phrases that work both ways later on in the series. But uh-huh. this one, I think, really works well. I so love this episode. I you think it's fantastic. Put this in the, you put this in the camp of the fever where it's so stupid it's good? Or do you just really think it's that enjoyable? I think that it's, it has some of the elements of it's so stupid it's good, yeah. but at the same time, it's I think it holds up. Like it is, it, it's a really good episode. It's great. And yet, the previous one, World of Difference, just trash. Ah, it's no good. That was two episodes earlier. But yeah. yeah, yeah, that's yeah. mind blowing to me. Yeah, I don't understand you, Jeff Cork. That's why we're yeah. doing this show together to figure out what the hell <laughs> yeah. you're into. And it turns out you're into people in cages and girls being spanked. Yeah, it's it's no good. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we need a separate rating system for the stupid episodes. Yeah, because I mean, I this wanted is... to go by a five point or a four point Look, or we, some kind of star. This rating is a system. slippery slope. We can't start debating review scores and whatnot. But what did you give when the sky was open? Was that another ten on your hmm. book? Or did you rate this? It was high? a long time ago. I don't remember. I think he gave it a nine or a ten. Yeah. But boy, I mean, this episode. You have to understand too. Yeah. That just to kind of pull back the curtain, and there's Please. nothing behind it. Uh, this I'm kind of, these scores, maybe, maybe I'm not losing a whole lot of sleep over this. This is these are kind of like my 
Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not used to reviewing Cork. I am losing sleep about this. I'm really? changing this last second. I'm watching these episodes several times, changing this the score. This is a fun project for me. No, if we this did, is the epitome of stress. If we did not rate these, I would be completely happy. We might have to drop that at some point. Being completely happy? Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. Uh, be sure to leave your comments. and we're Supporting gonna... comments about how that was... That episode is great. It's undeniably great. Please leave your vote in the comments about whether you preferred World of Difference mm. or what is this one called? Come on. People are like all over. There we go. Please make your choice. I would love to see what the people think about this. The people know what, what they need to do. <laughs> Indeed they do, yeah. Kirk. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye, light, highlight, twilight zone. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Backlash.